become a patron of Entertainment Landfill. Go to patreon.com slash landfill for details. Entertainment Landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. Hello, I am the TRS-80 Sunny and Pop Culture Computer Program. I was created to introduce a podcast, What a Waste of Hard Drive Space. But that's neither here nor there, I must do what I was created to do. Much like the great Howard the Duck, I am trapped in a world I never made. Ladies and gentlemen and anthropomorphic creatures, may I introduce to you Entertainment Landfill News with your host, the Jstrom. presents Landfill News with your host, the Jstrom. Now, here's your host, the Jstrom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Entertainment Landfill News. I am your host, the Jstrom. Welcome to the news. No, no, no. Oh, welcome to the landfill. Yeah, that's what I'm going to start saying from now on. Welcome to the landfill, everyone. I hope you uh, are enjoying this Wednesday. No, I shouldn't say the day because people listen to this on podcasts. I hope you're enjoying your day. Do you guys see how I'm self-editing? This is the future of podcasting. You self-edit. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about, but welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. Uh, it's an exciting day today. I'm here to deliver the pop culture news, and I hope you're having a wonderful week. Uh, it is my daughter's last week of school, so she will be off soon for the summer. And boy, is she excited. Today, we did uh, the award ceremony at her school. And uh, that's always fun. And afterwards, they said, uh, and if you want to take your child home, uh, you can. Just sign them out. And I saw my daughter's eyes dart to me like, you better sign me out of school right now. I want to go home. And, of course, I, you know, I, I did. It's no big deal. But I was thinking, you know what? My dad totally would have said, nope, see you at 3 o'clock, kiddo, or something like that. But anyway, that was fun. <laughs> I was trying to like, okay, where am I going with this? I'm just saying I'm having a good day. Everything's fun. Uh, I saw X-Men Apocalypse over the weekend. Saw that with uh, PCZ Steven. Uh, I saw that um, it had been getting, uh, you know, Rotten Tomatoes isn't being kind to it, you know, with its algorithm of... Uh, how many people have given it a fresh rating and a rotten rating? But I just wanted to tell you guys something. Do you know who Steve Silver is? What about Andrew O'Hare? Do you guys know who Cam Williams is? What about John Hanlon? Have you heard of Joe Gross? What about Pete 
Peter Suderman. What about Frederick and Marianne Broussat? Have you heard of those guys? What about Mike McGranahan? I could do this all day. Do you want to know who these people are? Do you want to know who Dennis Schwartz is? Just let me go a little bit longer. Do you know who Annalee Ellingson is? What about Peter Rayner? Okay, how about Michael Smith? Everyone knows who Michael Smith is, right? Everyone knows of a Michael Smith. (laughs) What about Kirk Baird? Okay, here's the point I'm making. These are all critics you've never heard of who reviewed X-Men Apocalypse and gave it a rotten rating according to Rotten Tomatoes, which therefore figures the score for the film. Yeah, Jeffrey Anderson did not like it. But guess what? Vincent Mancini did. But you know what? Clay Kane, he didn't like it. But... Daniel Kimmel did. <laughs> I just these are people we don't know. They're strangers. It would be like you polling the audience of the theater you went to. They could all be film critics. They could all be regular people. You have no idea. You have no idea who these people are. And by the way, Kurt Loader, one person I do know who that is. That's the MTV guy. He said, "Not bad." That was his little tagline there on Rotten Tomatoes. And I will say this. I enjoyed X-Men Apocalypse. If you enjoyed the Brian Singer X-Men films, you will enjoy this film. It's for X-Men fans. Yes, I do agree that they need to bring the storylines down a, a bit, maybe smaller scope. The entire fate of the world is at stake in this film. Uh, I'm not sure we need that every movie. Uh, But I really liked the last film where they, you know, Wolverine traveled back in time. And I loved how in the future, the Sentinels repeatedly killed them and they had to keep re-wiping time to start over again. I thought that was a really cool uh, thing that they did there in the film. And I thought this film, I really liked they introduced a young Jean Grey, a young Cyclops, who's never been treated very well in the X-Men films. But he's great here. I thought they did a good job with young Cyclops. Uh, I really like young Nightcrawler. The one guy, the poor character, Angel. It's the guy with wings who looks like an angel. Warren Worthington III. Great character in the comic books. Never had a decent portrayal in films. I'm thinking X-Men, The Last Stand, and now this one. Just goofy. It's so hard to do his character right. He looks pretty cool once Apocalypse kind of makes him into Archangel, but the dude's just got nothing to do. You know, he's just kind of there. He's set dressing. The same with Psylocke. Olivia Munn looks great as Psylocke, but she doesn't really have much to do. Um, I thought that the girl who plays um, a young Storm, you know, she, she made her presence was felt in the film, and they really need to do the new mutants film, which I already know they're doing. I would love to see more Jean Grey, Cyclops, young, uh, Nightcrawler, young Storm. I'd really love to see a film with the younger generations. Keep it smaller in scope. Um, here's another thing they need to stop doing. I don't know how many films they've done it, but they don't need to destroy, uh, the, uh, Xavier's 
uh, mansion every movie or have severe damage to it. I know in comic books it happens from time to time, but I love that they always, there's a sense of family in those comics. They go off on adventures, come home, sense of family, having barbecues, they're out by the pool, whatever. It's their home. We don't need to destroy it every film. But I had a good time with this film. It looked fantastic in 3D. Uh, I'm just saying lower the scope a little bit. We don't really need the entire world being taken over. We don't need sentinels on the national news and all that stuff. A lot of, There's um, a bit here with um, Magneto that I thought was really good. Come on, you have Michael Fassbender. you got to give him cool stuff to do. And uh, he's got a wife and daughter. And I thought that was a very strong part in the film. And uh, hey, I, I liked it. So my point, hopefully I made it based on Rotten Tomatoes. It's all a sham. Look at that. Who's who's Vicky Roach? Who knows? <laughs> who's Steven Rebello? You guys don't know who these people are. Why do you care about the average of these things? Because you don't know who these people are. Uh, I, I'm talking to people like uh, I'm like on some mountaintop screaming you know like Ron Tomatoes is a sham but everyone knows that anyway but you know we kind of look we know certain movies aren't going to be good anyway uh it's kind of like justification like oh yeah oh money monster 58 percent I didn't think it's going to be that good you know we can do that with it or we could be surprised you know with something like um pop star never stop never stopping the uh new film with uh, Andy Samberg 88% fresh. And you're like, oh, okay. Uh, so take with it what you want. But Owen Gleiberman did not like it. It has a few amusing moments, but it's really a pre-digested one-joke comedy. It's less an honest satire than an overscaled satirical satirical package. You know, whatever. You're a satirical package, buddy. Um, so X-Men Apocalypse. Go see it. All right, let's get into the news. And... First, I want to start with a story that uh, I actually had a strong reaction when I first read it because this is about a game delay, a Sony game delay for the PlayStation 4 called No Man's Sky. Uh, we've known about it for years. I forget which E3 it was. Two E3s ago, they revealed the space game where you're in a spaceship, you land, you get out, there's animals, you go exploring, you can take off in your ship, fly into the atmosphere, and boom, you're in space, and there's no load screen or anything, it just looks amazing. You can go from outer space, fly down to a planet, go through the atmosphere, landing gears down, get out, and you're walking in the grass, just it looks amazing, this game, No Man's Sky. Well, it's a, it was supposed to come out this June. Today's June 1st. Uh, I was ready to, oh, dude, I'm playing this game all summer long. That's what I'm thinking. Um, June 21st was the original date. Well, Kotaku, a gaming website, on Wednesday reported through retail sources that No Man's Sky had been delayed. Now, when this guy, I'm trying to remember his name, Jason Schreier, reported this in Kotaku, uh, certain people, fanboys, gamer fanboys, I don't know what you call them, were so upset, they called conspiracy. They knew for sure that this guy was lying 
and he was trying to sabotage the game with horrible rumors. And in fact, he was threatened with death uh, for doing this to this poor video game. Then, luckily, Friday, PlayStation confirmed that the sprawling space exploration epic was now due to launch August 9th. So, he's redeemed, right? Uh, I mean, uh, everyone thought he was lying. He's trying to sabotage the game. But no, no, no. Sony's like, yeah, this dude's right. We're actually delaying it August 9th. When I first heard that news, I was depressed. I wasn't depressed. I was <laughs> I was sad. Like, oh, man, I won't be playing that in a few weeks. I'm going to be playing it in a couple of months. But... You have to think about it for a second. Would you rather have a game? We've all had games that weren't ready to ship. We purchased them, brought them home. There's something like something's not working, something's broken or whatever. We'd rather have a finished working game when it comes down to it. Well, Sean Murray, the creator, the managing director for Hello Games of No Man's Sky the Game said... I have received lots of death threats this week, but don't worry. Hello Games now looks like the house from Home Alone. Hashtag Pillow Fort. So he's kind of making a joke out of it. But yes, the guy who created the game is getting death threats for delaying the game because he wants it to be right. That's that's pr- pretty ridiculous. And Jason Schreier, the Kotaku writer, got a message that said... Your little article about No Man's Sky being delayed has made me hate you to my very core. It's the only thing I live for. And you go and write that bullshit about a delay. Instead of visiting London later this month, I think I'll come by and say hi to you and F you up. You think you can get away with this that easy? Making fun of our Reddit page also? Sounds like you have a death wish. We will find you. Be afraid, human. We are coming for you. Now, if you got that message, you'd probably go, okay, this is like a 12-year-old. This is a dumb kid. Who gives a shit what he's saying? He's threatening me or whatever. But at the same time, it's like, holy shit, this dude is like threatening to kill me. I remember, uh, I've told this story on uh, regular Nowhere Mulberry or Entertainment Landfill before, but... I was, after Aliens, I was really a huge James Cameron freak. I just, I couldn't wait for James Cameron's next film, and we knew it was going to be The Abyss. I knew all about it. It was going to be filmed underwater for real. It was just sounded amazing. I cannot tell you how hyped up I was for this movie. I was talking about The Abyss and James Cameron all the time, driving everyone I knew insane. On chance, I don't know what it was. Good fortune. I came out of the theater after seeing Pet Cemetery, and there was a person there with a clipboard saying, uh, Can I take a moment of your time to ask you a few questions? And I was like, Sure. And the person said, Do you know who James Cameron is? And I said, Yes. And they were like, Oh, you do? <laughs> you know, because they're used to saying no. Well, he's the director of Terminator and Aliens. And they were like, Yeah. Well, how would you like to go see a free screening of The Abyss? And I was like, would I? They invited me. They gave me a sheet of paper. They put me on a list. And it was like three months away. It was a long time away. But still, 
they would like to get my opinion on the film and ask me questions after. It was one of those kind of screenings, which I've never since been invited to ever. It just, I don't know where this came from. Just, I'm this kid in Forward, Texas gets invited to see a screening of The Abyss in three months. Wow. I was so excited. I'll never forget the day that it was going to happen. We were, I, we were literally walking out the door. You know, people said, I just wa- was walking out the door. I'm not kidding. We were walking out the door. The phone rang. Ah, oh, shit. Answer. Oh, Jason, it's for you. Okay. Hi, this is so-and-so with cinema something. I don't remember. I'm afraid that the screening for The Abyss tonight is canceled. We did not get the film in on time. Uh, sorry for the inconvenience. And I hung up. My dad's sit- standing there, and I'm just like, it's, it's canceled. We're not going. The film's not done. And just the letdown. I mean, come on. I had been waiting for this for months. Now, picture that, and then to sit down, get a sheet of paper, because, you know, the internet didn't exist in any form that I had. I didn't have bulletin boards or anything. Just, dear James Cameron, I have been looking forward to seeing the abyss in a screening for the last three months, not to mention over a year that I have been reading about and anticipating this film today. When I found out that the screening was canceled, it really let me down and it made me hate you to my very core. It is the only thing that I live for seeing the abyss. And you go and delay the film. I think maybe I will come to Gaffney, South Carolina, where you were filming The Abyss, and say hi to you and F you up. Do you think you can get away with this? By the way, I am going to kill you. (laughs) Signed. Jason or something. Why would you anticipate something by this creator and then want to murder him? It doesn't make any sense, but I'm trying to find times when I was this hyped up for something. I still wouldn't want to go murder James Cameron. I want him to finish the film and I want to go see it when it's done. I maybe just people don't know how to deal with disappointment. Uh, it's really stupid, but, uh, August 9th, the film will be the way they want it. Hopefully. And uh, I can't wait to play it on uh, the PS4. Um, hopefully, it's an awesome game. I don't. I'm not even sure what kind of game it is going to be. I know it's exploration. The graphics look amazing, and you discover things. But I don't know how much like space battles and laser blasters you're going to have or anything like that. But uh, I don't know. Death threat things are hilarious. And I know it could just be some dumbass kid, but still. A death threat's a death threat. It unnerves you, you know, getting one, I assume. Okay, let's go into our next story, which is... Dwayne Johnson is making a cool movie with Shane Black in 2017. This according to Screen Crush. Another week, another exciting Instagram update from our crazy busy, impossibly charming, and totally ripped pal Dwayne Johnson. These aren't my words, people, okay? (laughs) Despite his increasingly crowded schedule, it looks like Johnson... By the way, he's not The Rock anymore. He's Dwayne Johnson. How great is that, that he ditched that moniker? Uh, He may have finally found some time to devote to Shane Black's long-developing Doc Savage movie. 
thus confirming our suspicions that the rock may actually be an advanced AI that requires no sleep. <laughs> That's not funny. Black has been working on a Doc Savage movie for years, based on the classic pulp novels which followed the eponymous hero on his series of adventures. An intrepid explorer and scientist, the character is also pretty much great at everything. Doesn't that kind of sound like Dwayne Johnson? Yeah, it sure does. Shane Black thinks so too, which is why the director has wanted Johnson for the project for quite some time. Back in March, Black said it was a matter of the actor, producer, wrestler, professional bicep owner. Oh man, this writer just keeps knocking him out of the park there, doesn't he? Finding time in his crazy schedule. If you follow Johnson on Instagram, you know just how busy he is. But his latest post indicates that he found some time to finally work on Doc Savage. I don't know why I said it like that. I apologize. Uh, in a post explaining his makeshift workspace, Johnson just casually mentions that he's reading an outline for a cool movie he's going to make with Shane Black. In 2017, Black's next project is The Predator, which begins filming this fall and hits theaters next year. It can't be that project since Johnson's 2016 schedule is already set with Baywatch, Fast 8, and Jumanji. Yes, that's right, guys. He's making a lot of fantastic films, isn't he? Yikes. No, I need a better bomb than that. But anyway, guys, uh, Shane Black's most recent film, The Nice Guys, is still in theaters. Go see that, man. It's, it's a good movie. Uh, I really dug it. It's an adult comedy. That's much better. Okay, next story. X-Men TV series Legion gets FX series order with its first photo. And you guys can't see it, but it's just of a guy leaning against a doorway. This picture tells you nothing. Well, even the strongest may not have survived X-Men Apocalypse's meager opening weekend. By the way, it made $88 million. Not too bad, okay? But... We're supposed to shit on it, okay? It didn't make $100 million a weekend. This movie, it's a bomb. Box office bomb. Uh, believe me, it's an X-Men film. It'll make a shitload of money in the long run. Uh, Marvel Mutants will officially have a whole new proving ground on TV. FX has picked up Noah Hawley's Legion for its first season, debuting a first look at Dan Stevens in the title role. I ran out of breath there. Following Fargo creators Noah Hawley's recent update on the series, which, by the way, Fargo, fantastic TV series, FX has officially granted an eight-episode order to Legion with an eye to premiere it in early 2017. In addition to Dan Stevens, Aubrey Plaza, Gene Smart, the series features Jeremy Harris, Amber Midthunder, Katie Azelton, and Bill Irwin. Yeah, those people. Check out this first photo of a guy leaning against a wall. And quote from XF, F, a quote from FX, we've come to expect excellence from Noah Hawley. And with Legion, he has delivered another major creative achievement. Just as he did in reimagining Fargo, he is bringing an entirely new aesthetic and sensibility to the enormously popular and richly presented X-Men world. The pilot episode is stunning. Driven by incredible performances from Dan Stevens, Aubrey Plaza, Gene Smart, Rachel Keller, and the rest of the cast, we join our producing partners at Marvel in congratulating the creative team for what they've accomplished and are as excited as the fans for the premiere of Legion's first season. 
Wow, they sure are excited about that, aren't they? For those unaware, Legion follows the story of David Haller, a young mutant struggling with schizophrenia and psychiatric incarceration, who soon learns from a fellow patient that his voices and visions may in fact be real. Created for the New Mutants in 1985, the character is also noted as the son of Professor Charles Xavier. Downtown Abbey alum Dan Stevens will play David as a haunted man, trying to find his way back to sanity, but tired and about to give up until he meets the girl of his dreams, Aubrey Plaza. She's all she's a girl of all of our dreams, isn't she? Meanwhile, uh, Aubrey Plaza will play David's alcoholic, drug-abusing friend, Lenny, who knows that... Oh, wait, she's not the one he's in love with. Uh, any day her life is going to turn around, which gives Lenny the likable energy... Of the impossible optimist, despite her rough demeanor, and ba ba ba, cool. I think this will be cool. I trust Noah Hawley. All right, now some news I'm really, really excited about. Glow, gorgeous ladies of wrestling, a show which I watched Saturday afternoons in the '80s, has a revival from Orange Is the New Black creator Genji Cohan. Ordered at Netflix. That's right. Genji Cohan is getting out of prison and into the ring. Uh, according to TVLine.com, Netflix has placed a 10-episode order for the Orange is the New Black creator's Glow, a scripted comedy series inspired by the 80s phenom of the same name, which stands for Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Launched in 1986 as a professional wrestling league for women, Glow transitioned into an unscripted syndicated series from 86 to 90. After the show's demise, the franchise lived on in the form of events and parties. Netflix's quasi-reboot set in Los Angeles and showcasing big hair and body slams is being dubbed a fictionalized story of an out-of-work actress who finds one last attempt to give her dreams in the form of a weekly series about female wrestlers. Dude, sign me up. I loved Glow when I was a kid. You know, I wasn't exactly sure yet. I was like... What are these feelings I'm having? <laughs> uh, but that sounds awesome. I can't wait to see this Glow TV series. If there's anyone who could do it, it's the Orange is the New Black person. See what they do? Like uh, the Noah Hawley guy or Jinji Cohan. They develop one great show that's for a while, Fargo, Orange is the New Black. They're like, hey, let's have them bring up this cool property, which is awesome. Now let's talk about this week's bullshit story. Bullshit headline, I should say. Page 6 reports Disney execs in a panic. In a panic, guys, over the upcoming Star Wars film. Okay, this story brought to us by Emily Smith. The first Star Wars spinoff, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, is in crisis. And the movie will have to go into expensive reshoots over the summer. Sources exclusively confirmed to page six. The much anticipated Rogue One is due for release on December 16th, but we're told bosses at Disney are not fully satisfied with the first cut from director Gareth Edwards. One Hollywood source told us the execs at Disney are not happy with the movie and Rogue One will have to go back into four weeks of expensive guys. Not just reshoots, expensive reshoots in July. 
The movie stars Felicity Jones, Mad Mickelson, Ben Mendelsohn, Forrest Whitaker, and Diego Luna. The Star Wars franchise's first spinoff films will take us back in time to a point between episode three and four. The plot reportedly sees the Resistance fighters embark on a daring mission to steal plans for the Death Star. Yeah, we know this. There have been there has been much speculation that the movie will take a dark turn and Darth Vader will appear as the Emperor's chief enforcer. It's also believed that a young Han Solo will make a cameo appearance. Nobody really knows that. Page six exclusively revealed earlier this month that Alden Ehrenreich has landed the cover. Yeah, we know that. Shut up. It was announced earlier this month that Edwards would not direct Godzilla 2. Later this year, and would instead focus on smaller films. But the Movie Insider told us, Garrett's work on the first Godzilla shows he can handle a big studio blockbuster. But Rogue One has fallen short of what J.J. Abrams did with The Force Awakens. So Disney has ordered reshoots. Edwards is a well-known risk taker, but he's also been reported to prefer to keep studio influence at a minimum. Well, that, what does that even mean? It doesn't mean anything. Disney won't take a back seat. It's demanding changes. Oh, you will change this movie, Gareth Edwards. I don't care if you directed Godzilla. Reps for Edwards didn't get back to our shitty website. <laughs> okay, anyway, there's a follow-up story, guys. Okay, You're, are you panicking just like these Disney execs? More details have been revealed about those Rogue One reshoots. Yes, that's right. Rogue One, a Star Wars story, won't be released for almost seven months, and yet it's already the talk of fans everywhere. Today, lots of that talk was about a New York Post article saying the film was in crisis and needed expensive reshoots. Well, I did page six, so I guess I should have gone to the source of New York Post. Uh, it's a rookie mistake, guys. A new report now adds some much-needed detail to those claims. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the reshoots are definitely happening. However, the reason is much more specific. The move is happening after the execs screened the movie and felt it was totally off with what a classic Star Wars film should feel like. The goal of the reshoots will be to lighten the mood and bring some levity into the story and restore a sense of fun to the adventure. Yay! In addition, the report says that while director Edwards' first cut was a solid showing, it didn't measure up to the bar set in terms of four-quadrant appeal. Anything less than extraordinary won't do, said a studio insider. Deadline also reported with a similar theme. According to sources, the first cut was lacking the edge that The Force Awakens had, and the story needs to gel. The film's December 16th release date will not be affected. It certainly sounds like while Rogue One may not exactly be in crisis, the post wasn't inaccurate in reporting the film has issues, which it should. If the movie was ready in May, they would have scheduled it for summer. That's right, guys. Think about it. Movies are being made right up until the finish line. What George Lucas should have done after viewing The Phantom Menace is gone back and changed things. <laughs> um, these days, just about every big movie has reshoots in post-production schedule to make tweaks and changes. Some reports say that The Force Awakens did reshoots weeks before the release. 
Because of that, many believe the Post's report was erroneously mixing standard reshoots up with something grander. Now, with this Hollywood Reporter story, it's certain that, that it's not the case. The tone of Edward's film didn't match what the Star Wars is all about. That's mostly most likely means there's a problem that needs fixing, and now they can go fix it. All I have to say about this is I don't give a shit about any of this. Just show me the friggin' movie when it's done. I will see it opening night as a Star Wars movie. Thank you very much. All right, our next story, George Carlin will be reborn as a stand-up hologram. You guys love George Carlin, right? Uh, he's no longer with us. He hasn't been for some time, but uh, what can you do? <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> um, Shit, piss, suck a motherfucker in. Oh, dear. We can't play those words on the air. George Carlin will be... Uh, Reborn as a hologram. The greatest honor of the 21st century can now bestow upon a dead artist their life's work reduced to a commodity entertainment for nostalgia friends. That's why so many singers have been brought back as Pepper's ghost style holograms in hope of squeezing a few more dollars from their memory. Did you guys understand any of that? <laughs> Let's just uh, skip over that. George Carlin is the latest to become zombie entertainment and will become a permanent fixture at the forthcoming National Museum of Comedy in New York State. In an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Chief Curator Klipf Nesteroff reveals that a Carlin hologram will be a gimmick to bring people to Jamestown. The idea is to create a museum that will become, for comedy, what Cooperstown is for baseball, bringing fans and newbies together. While the main halls will be dedicated to family-friendly humor, the basement of the facility will be dedicated to a no-holds-barred adult comedy. It's here that the Carlin hologram will perform, like old times, in a fake comedy club in one corner. Nestroff also adds that there will also be live shows in the venue, where budding circuit comics can see what will happen to their legacy should they be successful in life. <laughs> Okay, I know what you're thinking. There's no way the story's true. Well, I found a follow-up article. Thank God that George Carlin hologram rumor is wrong! Earlier today, The Hollywood Reporter reported that the forthcoming National Museum of Comedy in Jamestown, New York, would feature a performing hologram of George Carlin. Let us all be deeply thankful that it's actually not happening. Speaking to The Hollywood Reporter, the museum's curator, Klipf... Nesteroff described the Carlin hologram as a gimmick designed to draw comedy fans to a town six and a half hours from New York City. It would be housed in a train station remodeled as a fake comedy club in, the, in one corner, and George will be on stage performing like old times. In response to the report, Carlin's daughter tweeted to say that there were no plans for such a ridiculous misuse of the late comedian's legacy in the immediate future. The museum later stated in a tweet that the hologram rumors were the result of Nesterov's misinterpretation of the plans. It's worth noting that in the same interview, Nesterov stated that he is not in charge of design or Im implementation of anything for the museum. So they got a guy on a smoke break standing against the wall. It could be the same guy from that X-Men picture. The museum recently acquired Carlin's archives, which will be sponsored in part by his estate, which may explain some of Nestorov's confusion. 
it's unclear how he made the leap from we have all this cool stuff to let's make a dead guy play the hits in a basement until the heat death of the universe. We reached out to Nesterov for comment and we'll update if we hear back. Chances are we won't because this guy cannot be found. For anyone upset by the news that there will be no Carlin hologram, let's remember that the man recorded 20 comedy albums, numerous specials, cameoed in movies like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Dogma, and spent several seasons of Shining Time Station as Mr. Conductor. Among other contributions to art and society, no one should be hard-pressed to find extant extant media with which to remember his talents. Perhaps the best thing we can do to keep Carlin's legacy alive is simply to keep him in our thoughts. Wow. So the story is bullshit. Much like the uh, reshoots story. Now this is very exciting for you shoe fans out there. (laughs) Who's a fan of shoes? I don't know. I know Steven admitted to me the other day, that uh, he is, if he told me how many shoes he has, I wouldn't believe it. And he recently purchased these cool, uh, they're like these Jaws shoes, like Jaws the movie. They're Jaws sneakers. Those are pretty cool. Uh, special edition Nintendo Vans prove your inner nerd never died. How cool is this? Vans loves working with iconic pop culture and entities. Excuse my language. To date, the company has released shoe and apparel collections inspired by Star Wars, the Beatles, and most recently Disney. Now, as rumored, Vance has teamed up with Nintendo on a line of retro gaming sneakers and accessories for men, women, and kids. There are 13 different footwear styles, each featuring prints that pay tribute to Nintendo's first flagship console, the NES, as well as 8-bit graphics characters from Super Mario Bros., uh, etc. We checked out three pairs ahead of their June 3rd release, and they look pretty fantastic. More specifically, Vance provided us with samples of controller skate high, pictured in the lead uh, image above. Let's see. There, the first picture I see, it's like Nintendo controllers, and it looks pretty cool. I like that. Um, with some models being low top and others high top, the collection offers something for everyone, especially since most will be available in unisex sizes. There's also Donkey Kong and Zelda designs, if that's more up your alley. The sneakers even come in stylish boxes to match, including one that mirrors the look of the NES game console. Awesome! A van spokesperson told Engadget that the Nintendo line will only be on sale for a short period of time. Prices are expected to range between $37 to $70. That's a good deal, man. Depending on whether you get an adult or kids pair, they'll hit Vans online stores this Friday along with select retail locations. Dude, I don't know if I'm going to wear these Nintendo shoes, but uh, I think my daughter would dig them. Totally. I'm trying to look at some other pictures of there. Uh, the ones of Mario are pretty sweet. I think she'd dig those. I mean, everybody knows who Mario is, right? Uh, awesome. I want some Nintendo sneakers, man. Um, last, no, no, it was actually a couple of weeks ago. Uh, one thing that uh, my wife would tell you about me, Stephen could even corroborate this, is I usually own one pair of shoes and I wear them for three years until they're falling apart and I have to be forced to buy new shoes. It's true. It's been that way 
my entire adult life. <laughs> well, my wife made me buy two pairs of sneakers at the same time. And I was like, what? What are we, the friggin' Rockefellers over here? Buying two pairs of shoes? How will I know when to wear the other pair? And she's like, you wear one pair one day and the other pair the other day. And I was like, this is madness. I don't, does not compute. I wear the same pair of shoes every day, right? Unless it's, you know, a, unless you're going like to a dress up affair or something, you got to wear your fancy shoes. I don't know. But I bought two pairs of uh, shoes, some Skechers and some uh, New Balance. And I've yet to wear the New Balance ones. <laughs> I'll, I'll find some time to wear them. Uh, now here's a tragic story. It's pretty shocking. Man space. <laughs> Let me start over. <laughs> this is on Kotaku. Man spends days making Zootopia Lego statue. Child destroys it in seconds. Now, if you see this picture, there's this man standing next to the Fox character made out of Legos. And it looks incredible. Right next to that picture, it's in pieces all over the ground. And you see this red rope around the character. And it says, the ropes were there for a reason. That reason was to keep children from knocking this Zootopia statue over. As NetEase and the Shanghaiist report, a builder named Zhao spent three days building a Nick Wilde from Zootopia statue, apparently using thousands of dollars worth of Lego. The statue, Shanghaiist states, went up at a shopping mall in Ningbo, China. And just an hour after it was shown on the first exhibition day, a child climbed under the ropes, and knocked the piece over. Wow. Zhao was as understanding as one could be, saying the child could have no idea how much time, effort, and money went into the statue. He also said that the shopping mall employees were somewhat at fault. Shanghaiist adds that the child's parents apologized, and Zhao said he didn't want any compensation for what happened. Wow. I'm looking at pictures, and then there's the final word, damn. That guy, if you would have seen the finished statue, which you can on Kotaku, it looked amazing. He even has body language in the way he designed this, and even one foot up, like he's tapping his foot. It looks amazing. And a little kid friggin' knocked it over. It's kind of like that gorilla thing. You know, the kid fell in the thing. I'm not going to say anything about the parents, but... Of all places, you need to keep an eye on her. It's going to be in the gorilla place. It's going to be where there's lions. It's going to be where there's poisonous snakes or whatever. Now, I may be a helicopter parent here, but come on, man. What the hell? I know this shit happens, and it's happened before, and it's going to happen again. But at the same time, don't you got to blame the parents a little bit? All right, that is the end of my uh, rant. That wasn't really a rant, was it? So, guys, that was this episode of Entertainment Landfill News. I'm out of news stories. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you would, go to nimpodcast.blogspot.com. There you will find our site with all the previous episodes of Entertainment Landfill and Entertainment Landfill News. I'm currently building a gigantic archive 
which you will be able to access once you become a patron of Entertainment Landfill. If you would like to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash landfill. For as little as a dollar, you will gain access to over 300 shows when I'm finished with the archive. I'm still working on it. (laughs) Do you know how long it takes to upload these shows? (laughs) It takes a long time. Plus, I'm detailing everything that's in the episode, etc. It's not going to just be a list of links. I want you to see what we talked about each episode so you can tell. But also, I plan this. There's going to be a super secret archive for all $5 and up patrons of rare things you cannot hear anywhere else. I'm talking about the first time Bill and I were interviewed on Talk Radio X by Antibirds. I'm talking about the first time we filled in on his show. I'm telling there's going to be rare shit here. We had a rivalry with another show called B-Dub, and Bill called into that show to talk to that guy where he was confronting Bill. That will be available in our super secret archive. You'll be able to hear all that stuff. It'll be awesome and detailed, and I'm working on it all this summer. It's I'm putting a lot of work into it. But now, right now, if you want to become a patron, do it. Uh, we'd love it so much, and I appreciate your support. Also, send me some feedback. Send me a voicemail or an email at nimpodcast at gmail.com. I will read that email on the show. It's something that I've never really done before, but I want to start doing. If you want to send me just an email, that would be cool. Or record a voicemail, attach it in your email, send it to me, and I'll read it on the air. So, guys, thank you so much for listening this week, and uh, I can't wait to be back and with some Ninja Turtles talk, right? <laughs> the Ninja Turtles uh, something something. What is that movie called, anyway? Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows comes out. And it's already 17% rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. Christy Puchko didn't like it. Michael McCahill, Martin... Ontario, Emma Simmons, James Mottram. You guys know those people, right? <laughs> My point is made. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. What are you guys waiting for? Go out there, watch a movie, watch some Netflix, go watch a TV show, read a book, play a video game, do something creative, and I'll see you next time! Oh yeah, fool. This was Entertainment Landfill News. Your one-stop shop for entertainment news. We're talking film, television, and pop culture. Tune in next week when I hack a Chuck Cheese robot and rampage across the town of Mulberry. Until next time, I am the TRS-80. Peace out. Mortar Forkers. Now this is podcasting. Casting.